welcome back to another episode of Conspiratus. Once again, for the second episode in a row, instead of putting out some original content, uh, which would you know be work, we're instead going to go ahead and replay uh, the recording from another event that took place a few weeks ago, uh, once again during Berlin Blockchain Week. But instead of uh, being a recording from DAPCON, it is from the Web3 Summit. So many of you who've been uh, listening for a while will remember in episode seven where Nate and I talked about uh, the Straight Edge project that I was working on. And so, you know, Straight Edge is actually launching this week uh, that we're uh, putting out this episode. And so a few weeks ago at the Web3 Summit, uh, we had a live debate between myself uh, representing Straight Edge and Ryan Zurer, uh, who is an advisor to the Edgeware project, uh, representing the Edgeware project. And we were kind of debating the merits of Edgeware versus Straight Edge. And the debate was moderated by Lane Rettig, uh, you know, a very pretty well-known figure in the space, and I'm who we've talked about numerous times on this podcast as well. Um, and then, you know, there's even a uh, surprise guest appearance from Dylan Chen, who is the uh, founder of uh, Commonwealth and Edgeware. So uh, really interesting episode. Um, I think I got a lot out of it by, you know, kind of understanding a lot more of how Ryan views the space and, you know, how some of the justification for some of the design decisions that went into Edgeware. And some of it, I feel, has to do with, you know, approaching the problem in a very different way, where maybe sometimes I approach it from a very overly idealistic way. And Ryan seems to come at it from a much more practical standpoint at times. And, uh, you know, which of these is the right way to approach these, especially when we're dealing with, I don't know, in my opinion, pretty ideological projects, uh, is, you know, for you guys to decide. So take a listen. And uh, one thing really quickly to note is that this uh, took place in at the Web3 Summit in their hacker node space, which is a pretty loud, noisy room. And so there was a lot of background noise. I did my best using my uh, limited audio engineering skills to remove a lot of the background noise. So it's much more listenable, but uh, doing that, uh, the voices sound maybe a little bit aw- like a little bit nasally or a little bit damp at times. And also the audio setup in this very hacky room was not the best. We had one microphone and so Ryan is a little bit farther away from the microphone. And- and so sometimes it's a little bit harder to hear him. So I, I, I gained his audio as much as I could, but just be, be warned that it does sound a little bit muffled. So uh, once again, sorry for the audio quality, but you know that's just how it goes sometimes when we're uh, recording live events uh, on the go. So anyways, hope you guys enjoy. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just introduce what we're gonna talk about here. Um, hey guys, I'm Lane. Uh, we have Sunny and Ryan here and uh, this is not a Radical Markets panel, um, so that is at four. Uh, I know the schedule over here is wrong, so come back at four or stay because we may actually transition into a Radical Markets roast if we have extra time. Um, but actually, we're here to discuss um, two upcoming blockchains that are going to launch very soon um, at the same date, in fact. This is Edgeware and Straight Edge. Uh, I'm sure many of you are familiar with Edgeware. It is the first general purpose smart contract um, parachain compatible, let's say Polkadot compatible. Um, blockchain built on Substrate that is scheduled to launch on September 15th, so it's pretty exciting. Um, Many of you may also know that they did a a novel token distribution mechanism called a lock drop, which I think wrapped up 
like recently, I think it was some, sometime around August 15th or something, but you could lock ETH as well as other tokens, and then when the, when the chain goes live, you will receive a grant of edge tokens on the, on the Edgeware network. Um, Sunny is part of a team that's working on something called a zero-day fork of Edgeware. It's called Straight Edge. Uh, so yeah, let's just kind of kick off. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a debate here, or, or just discussion. Um, why don't you guys quickly introduce yourselves uh, to start, and then we can, we can dive in. Hey, uh, my name is Sunny. Um, you know, my, my, my main focus is I work mostly on Cosmos, but I just like am interested in a lot of things across the space, but a lot of time focusing on Ethereum stuff, and uh, I really wanted to learn a lot more about Substrate and stuff and Polkadot, so that's why I kind of tried following the Edgeware project originally, and um, yeah, because of, uh, yeah, because I want to learn more about Substrate, so I'm following the Edgeware project, and uh, you know, I, re I really like the team, the Commonwealth team, and uh, we were chatting quite a bit about it, and I was really excited for the lock drop, and then there was just a few things that I just thought were a bit off to me, and so I decided to cause a fourth, but I, I guess we'll get into that. Uh, my name is Ryan. Uh, I've been a fairly active investor uh, in this place for some time, um, and supported lots of awesome projects that I uh, am really excited about, like uh, Ethereum and Cosmos and uh, Edgeware and, and uh, um, and uh, I've been fortunate enough to have uh, uh, good relationships with a lot of these different teams and get an interesting career into uh, some of these different teams, uh, development processes and, and psychologies and so on and so forth. Um, Thank you, for, thank you for the answers, guys. So let's just um, let's dive into Edgeware to start. So I gave a very high-level introduction. Um, do you want to add anything to that, or just talk about what Edgeware is, why it matters, why it's interesting? So um, what excites me about Edgeware is it is a um, governance-focused smart contract scripting platform where uh, the block reward goes into a DAO and approximately 50% to start of the block reward will go in and we'll use voting to uh, dole out resources to developers and uh, application builders and community uh, members doing great work and all kinds of different things like that. So the thing that uh, I find very compelling about Edgeware outside of being the first smart contract scripting platform on Polkadot is uh, this new experiment where we can use um, on-chain governance to dole out very compelling rewards uh, in a really transparent fashion, and uh, let's see where kind of the community takes this whole thing. Sweet, uh, that's helpful. All right, so Sunny, um, Straight Edge is uh, one of the first examples of uh, something that I like to call a zero-day fork. Can you tell us what that is and, and, and just talk more about the motivation of Straight Edge? Yeah, so a... So I guess let's start off with the motivation, and then I can talk about well, what the zero day fork is. So in the um, so just for so I'll, I'll walk through a little bit of how the Edgeware lock drop works. How it works is on Ethereum, you can take your Ether and lock it up for a period of time, uh, either three months, six months, or twelve months, and you'll get some edge tokens for that. And the idea is that the opportunity cost of locking up Ether um, makes shows that you actually you know have some. Uh, you had some opportunity class and that gives some uh, value to the edge tokens. Um, so they also have a thing where if you don't want to lock your tokens, you can also signal your tokens uh, on behalf of... Uh, so you don't actually have to lock your tokens, you actually just send a transaction on Ethereum saying, hey, 
I, you know, I'm into this edge rare thing and I want to lock, signal and get some edge token. You only get 20% of the tokens if you uh, signal, while you get 100% if you lock. This all makes sense. This is really cool. And I, when I, when I learned about this, I'm like, oh, this is a really interesting idea. Then there was one thing I found out that was like, oh, wait, this is a bit weird. Why is this happening like this? And it's that anyone can signal on behalf of a contract that they've deployed. And it's like, I don't know, to me, that's just a misunderstanding of how smart contracts work. And like the person who deployed a smart contract should not have any special ownership or privilege over a smart contract. Like the person who deployed the wrapped ether contract, like there's millions of ETH in that contract. Why do they get to have claim over the edge that's associated with that contract? None of that ETH is theirs, right? Or this this takes the case a lot with the multi-sigs, um, where the two largest multi-sigs on Ethereum are Digix and Golem. In both of those multi-sigs, the deployer of the multi-sig is not even a member of the multi-sig. So somehow they're just able to steal, like, claim all the ETH on, like, that actually belongs to Digix and Golem. Can you say what a deployer is? Yes. So whoever, a deployer is um, basically when you put a smart contract on Ethereum, it's whoever made the transaction that actually put the, con that instantiated the contract on Ethereum. But it, they don't necessarily have any ownership over it. The purpose of smart contracts is they're supposed to be sort of self-sovereign uh, things that like don't have any ownership over them. And so... Assuming that the deployer is somehow the owner of that of those funds is a faulty assumption. So that's like the miner, something like that. No, so it's I'm like just trying to understand yeah. Who the deployer is sure. So it's kind of like let's say I, I I was deploying a new application on Ethereum, right? And it's supposed to be something that like it's a completely decentralized application that no one has ownership over, but someone actually has to take the code that I wrote and put it on the chain, so that way the application is there, and so. Well, I don't, it doesn't even have to be, just because I wrote the contract doesn't mean I have to do it. I have to put the code. I can just like say like, give it to my friend and be like, hey, you know, can you put uh, the code on the chain for me? Nice. And So I, I think, so this is a great question. I think install might be a better word, right? Um, it's the person who installed that contract onto the Ethereum blockchain. And, and the reason I want to use this distinction is because this, like I can write a contract and then many, many people can deploy it or install it. Right. There can be many like quote unquote installations or deployments of a given contract. So that's to, to Sunny's point. There's not necessarily a link between the like author or like the person or people behind it, the op the people who do operate on an ongoing basis, and like the deployer or installer. I like that word better. Yeah, and so that's why I I, I think that um, whoever deployed the Golem and Digix multi sigs probably just paid someone else to actually install the contract for them. Um, now. I think it became noticed your shirt. It's that intentional, wasn't it? Um, so I, I noticed why uh, it, it occurred to me why uh, this design decision was made, and I, I believe it has to do with the parity stock multi-sig funds, where basically, for context, uh, about two years ago now, I think, or last year, um, two years ago, uh, there was a there was a attack on Ethereum where. Uh, Parity uh, in their UI, they had the ability to launch their own multi-sig wallet, and there was a bug in the multi-sig wallet, and it caused a lot of funds to be stuck and be completely inaccessible. And it seems to me that the Web3 Foundation was interested in, you know, having some sort of liquidity on those stuck funds. And, you know, there's a close relationship between the Web3 Foundation and the 
uh, main developers of the Edgar project, uh, Commonwealth. And you know, maybe uh, Ryan can probably go a little bit more into that. Uh, but or Dylan, or Dylan. <laughs> um, but essentially, yeah. So I just thought that it was very weird. And then, like two or three days before the start of the lock drop, there was a second rule that was added in called the generalized lock policy, which said, okay, no, no. If a contract that you signal on behalf of acts like a lock, that actually counts as a full lock. So, and the, the, the idea here is basically, look, those parity multi-sig stuck funds, they kind of act like a lock. You can't move funds out of them. So, you know, let's just give them the full lock amount. And so the, the problem here is that everyone else who's participating in the uh, lock drop process of Edgeware is actually taking some opportunity cost and they're like foregoing something in order to earn these edge tokens. While the Web3 Foundation, by signaling on behalf of their stock funds, is not actually taking on any opportunity cost, because there is no opportunity cost. Those funds are stuck one way or another. And so I was talking with uh, Drew Stone, who is uh, one of the co-founders of Commonwealth at uh, ZCon, and you know, we were just talking through this, and you know, I just figured, you know, I, 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 when I learned about the generalized lock, I'm like, this is just silly, and I, I just felt the need that like, you know, someone should step up and like do something about it. And so I created, uh, I, yeah, we created this idea called Straight Edge, which is, we're calling it a zero day fork. It is a all past block, it, it's a fork that happens at the initial set, uh, launch of a, another chain. So Edgeware is launching on September 15th. Straight Edge will launch on September 15th at, as well at the same time. And I think this is a cool governance experiment that has never really been done before in the blockchain uh, blockchain space. Like, you know, there's many forks, like, you know, we can pile them off, like, like incessantly, but I don't think there's been a good example of a fork that's ha started at the same time as another chain. It's a tiny, oh, it's a tiny question, but uh, the change that was made, is actually to you guys as well, is it all, for all signals accounts or is it only smart contract signaling. Like, which was the one in the last three days that was changed? The thing that was changed in the last three days was the generalized law, which said a smart contract that's signaled on behalf of, but acts like a law, actually counts as a full law. And this is such a weird, nuanced, like, rule that there's, like, only one clear reason that this is done. Let's give him a chance to respond. Uh, just, just one quick additional thought on zero day force before we, we go to Ryan for a response, which is just that... Um, not only are you guys forking the code and launching on the same day, you're also using the rest of the lock drop, right? So you're going to hand tokens out to everyone who locked ETH, but not who signaled, right? Okay. Oh, cool. uh, not who signaled, not who signaled on you behalf of our contract. Right. All right. So uh, let's contextualize a couple things before we start. First, um, uh, I want to make sure that everybody's clear that my arguments with respect to, to uh, Sunny's positions are really about those ideas and not about uh, uh, the man. Because in this case, the man is the man. He's super OG. Uh, his podcast has actually had an enormous influence on my own development in the space. Uh, I love his project and small confession. I probably own a larger amount of, a larger percentage of Cosmos than I do of Pokemon. But, um, uh, 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 but you know, I'm, I'm happy with the both with both with both exposures. Um, so you know, uh, you're awesome, and you are certainly winning the fashion award for for, 
for Web3 Summit, both days just killing it. Uh, and also, thank you so much for the amazing protocol roast last night. That was. Uh, Give a round of applause for the protocol roast. That was amazing. So, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, um, in 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 this case, the the, the zero day four doesn't make sense for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, I don't understand, and nobody can really explain to me what the difference would be between having a mechanism like this that allows for a um, uh, allows for signals to be like signals from these smart contracts, which is, by the way, is a lot of people besides parity uh, of multi-sig. A lot of people have actually popped up out of the woodwork. I'm not gonna name any names, but it, because it's like shocking names all around the space who, of people who had uh, vulnerabilities in certain smart contracts and multi-sigs and their, their ethos broken. And, um, and that's actually been really interesting. Uh, part of this whole process. So it's not just uh, a parity thing. But, um, you know, we, we just philosophically took the, the, the idea that, hey, these frozen ETH should have some kind of participation. They actually have discounted participation because they don't get the full lock bonus. Um, so, you know, I try to stay hands off on kind of final decisions here because I sit in between a lot of this. I support. Um, Commonwealth to make their own decisions. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, I, I'm an expressive holder of dots and support the Polkadot project and Web3 and so on and so forth. And so I'm kind of like conflicted from all angles and wanted to stay out of, out of the decision making. But yes, obviously, this is a, a novel, interesting mechanism that also recognizes the people that have, for one reason or another, had, have had stuck funds over the years. And that's okay. We're, we, you know, we're allowed to do that. Um, uh, the, so my issue here is if we just said, that, oh, and just to be clear, the amount of funds that uh, Web3 will get is about 7 or 8% of the network. And then there's a, uh, there is a small pre-mine of, of 9% that goes out to, to the amazing team at, at Commonwealth, and they more than deserve uh, that as well as others. Um, they don't get all that, but they, in fact, they deserve a heck of a lot more than they do get. But this has been, if you just looked at this as a, as a pre-mine, it's still one of the fairest distributions we've ever seen in the space. You know, Cosmos has a 28% all-in pre-mine, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. 20% but then there was the staff round that yeah. I and others were, were in. So, um, so, but let's call it 20%. And, um, uh, you know, and we go across the space, and pre-mines are 30%, 50%, a lot more than the 70%. kind of 16 17% that we're talking about with, with Edgeware. So I don't really see, at the end of the day, how it's that, like, unfair, at the end of the day. You know, Web3 paid for uh, all of the development of all of Substrate, of all of, the, of this infrastructure that needed to be built. It's kind of okay that they get single-digit percentage, in my opinion. Although I don't have a strong opinion about this, and I would like to highlight that the cool thing about Edgeware is it's a governance network. On day one, if you want, and I'm sure that this will happen, maybe I'll put it out there, anybody can put it out there, 
let's vote on whether we should whether we should recognize the generalized law. And then the community can decide. And if they don't like the generalized law, oh, it's gone. And and that and and those 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 uh, you know those addresses don't receive those tokens. That can happen uh, on Edgeware. And then it can't know, though. Happen after sure the fact. Wait, sorry. Well, okay. Let me go through a couple more. Sorry. So, one, it's a pretty fair uh, position if you just looked at it as a pre-mine, and I don't see the difference between this and pre-mine. Uh, two, the community will vote over time at some point as to whether they recognize those addresses or not. There will be community debate and eventually a decision on these matters, and that's what's great about governance projects because there's debate but then there's a decision and it's over and we stop the incessant social media discussions uh, number two number three and this is really go goes more directly to you um, I'm I, I'm grateful that you're spending so much time in the ecosystem and I'm grateful that if you that in launching straight edge you're gonna have to build the wallets and the apps and the and all the infrastructure and all the support stuff. And guess what? Running a layer one chain is fucking hard and takes a lot of resources and devs. So you better staff up. You better get ready because it's not an easy task to do. I've seen a number of teams and it's on, it's it's tough. It's, you know, Christmas Eve at midnight, you're getting Sybil attacked and you got to get, you know, you got to fix that kind of thing. So the worst time to fork is when there isn't that much value established in the network, i.e. day zero. If I'm gonna fork something, I'm gonna fork the most you know, robust, most valuable network with all of the tooling already available and DeFi stuff, so I can just take all that and I capture that value together with it. Honestly, day zero fork is the equivalent of stealing a car, but just stealing the chassis before the car's even built, right? If I'm gonna steal a car, I wanna steal like a fully loaded Ferrari, because that is at least worth my time. So, super happy to have you building this car, because you know what, you're one of the few people who's got the talent to do it. Uh, we're grateful that you're, you're along for this ride. I still get my straight edge tokens, so, you know, nobody loves a good fork dividend like I do. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm, I'm super pumped about it. However, I would, caution, I would caution the decision because is this the most valuable thing that you can be doing with your time? Um, and especially, like, if Edgeware just makes a decision over time with respect to how much they support um, this generalized law as a community, you know, I, I feel like maybe the, the, the raison d'etre um, could be dramatically diminished in that moment. Awesome. Thanks for the response, Ryan. Bunch of points there. You're yeah. taking notes. That's good. Um, yeah. Sonny, are you trying to steal a car before it's got wheels on it? Um, no. Uh, I am trying to fix a car. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how this analogy is. This is a weird analogy. Um, the, the car has a broken engine. I'm trying to fix the engine or something. Um, Okay, well, I just want to like correct one thing though about you can't you can't fix Edgeware once it one after it launches. Be so before the generalized lock was announced, my plan was actually so the the rules of the uh, lock drop are such that signals are actually locked for one year, but locks are actually immediately liquid. 
And so my plan originally was that once Edgeware launches, I will make a governor's proposal to remove the the uh, tokens from signalers. Can we, can we clarify what that means? Like, you, so, yeah. you're, you're, so just to be clear, I just want to make sure everyone's on the same page here. There's two ways to participate in the lock drop, right? You can either lock your ETH, which means you actually send it into a contract and you, you, you're giving up the opportunity cost and you'll get it back uh, after some point in time, three months, six months, or 12 months, right? Or alternatively, you can choose to do what's called signaling. And if you signal instead, you keep your ETH. You're just making a transaction that just says, I signal in support of this, whatever, right? And then you get, what is it, 80% discount? You get like 20% of the tokens or something like that in the yep. case of signaling. But there's one more important difference, which is that in the case of locking, those tokens, the edge tokens that are minted, become liquid immediately when the chain launches. Whereas in the case of a signal, uh, it, it's a year, I think, right? Yeah. So there's a year in which governance things could happen. I just want to make sure everyone's clear about that. Yeah. And so because of that, if, if we had only given... Uh, edge tokens to people who have signal, then we could have, you know, used governance to undo that after launch. Right. But because some of those signals could actually count as generalized locks, and they'd actually act as a lock, and so that way they'd get their tokens liquid immediately, as soon as the chain launches, they could just move their tokens to a bunch of new addresses, and we can't stop that anymore. We can't use governance to uh, prevent that. It's kind of like, you know, you can't use governance to prevent an attacker who steals funds because, you know, you don't know whose funds they are at that point. They may have already spent them and whatnot. So because of because of the generalized lock is actually why we can't solve this problem. So um, can governance not, like a, can, it, I'm not super familiar with how governance will work in Edgeware, but is it, or is it not possible to do things like minting new tokens or like an irregular state transition, like changing the ownership of tokens or something like that? Yep. But, but you don't know who those tokens, so let's say, okay, Let's say I'm the Web3 Foundation. I've got a, I generalized locked my uh, my tokens, right? Um, and I and so as soon as Edgeware launches, my tokens are liquid. Right. Now, what I could just do then is, as soon as the chain launches, I'm going to go and sell my tokens right away. And now you can't like remove the you can't remove my tokens because those tokens <laughs> don't belong to me anymore. There, there's some poor buyer who bought them on the open market, and you're going to be slashing their tokens instead. So, the community, can, first the community can use a Commonwealth tool today, and I strongly recommend it. And this, so this vote could happen pre-Genesis, is one option. The second option is that the addresses that you're specifically concerned about have, you know, significant percentages per network. There's no unloading that. You, you know as well as anyone, there's no unloading that, you know, you'll drive everything right to zero and, and so you won't very you'll drive like if, if the Web3 Foundation tried to sell its entire seven percent, uh, by the time it hits the first two percent sold, yeah. it, it like the price would be at zero anyway. So there's no getting room to start. So there's lots of time for the community to have a debate on this and make a decision uh, uh, on these maps. And again like the governance will you know we throw this in the air the governance will figure this out. Um, uh, and then I'd like to make a clarification here, and this is an important one, that the, the, uh, the generalized locked addresses uh, don't get the bonus, even though they're like locked up for a long period, of, you know, for longer than, than uh, any of these other locks will be, they don't receive the bonus. And very truthfully, there's a lot of people, and there's a debate, and, and I understand the other side, and, and from inside Web3 and, and Parity, that were like, hey, actually, you know, why don't we all, like, why, 
our don't we deserve the bonus? Like our our thing is locked. Our tokens are locked just like everyone else's. And so, not to quote, uh, you know, the Game of Thrones from the, the final episode, but it seems like a compromise was occurred where neither side was really happy. The the community wasn't too happy about the generalized lock. Uh, the people who had frozen frozen ETH weren't too happy because they didn't they didn't get the bonus and they're diluted thusly. And so myself, kind of sitting impartially in the middle of this, I kind of think that like, you know, one of those compromises where nobody's really happy is probably close to the right decision. Like it feels... Or the, the people... So the bonus is huge. The bonus was 250% to start, right? So it would have been like, you know, we're talking about you would have like more than doubled uh, if uh, the, the Web3 position would have been like up around 20%. Um, and so that's a significant amount. And, and Edgeware, uh, we, we're all pretty optimistic that this is going to be a valuable network. That's going to look like a lot of money one day. Um, and and so, again, compromise. And, and I'm hopeful that crypto governance ushers in an era of more compromise and less, you know, yelling at each other on Twitter with no compromise. And this was an early example of, and I tip my hat to the Edgeware guys, where they struck a decision for themselves that they felt was reasonable and they could defend and look everyone straight in the eye and say, yep, yeah, we think that this is reasonable. And they showed great wisdom and courage in doing that. And nobody's totally happy about it, which probably indicates it's a good decision. So, another piece that I think is, I think what got a lot of the community upset is that this, you know, if the goal was to come at a compromise and like say that, look, there's people who have stuck funds due to multiple reasons throughout the Ethereum ecosystem and we want a way to help them out. If you want to compromise, you should approach the compromise in good faith and lay all the cards out on the table and be like, this is what we're trying to do. Part of the thing that actually got a lot of people upset in the Edgeware community was that it was very opaque and not transparent. There, like, I feel like the trend, the generalized lock stuff was done without like being upfront of like, look, it's, if people if, if they just came up front and said, look, this is to help the people who have stuck funds, I think a lot of the community may have been more okay with it. But I feel it's like there's almost an attempt of like, you know, trying to sneak it in and like, they, like thinking people won't even notice what the what the intention of this thing was. And a lot of people did notice. And I, I, I think that's part of the issue why the why a lot of people like were were fearful of this compromise because it, it felt that it wasn't coming in good faith. Okay, thanks for your perspective on that. But I mean, I'm sitting here right now totally transparently saying that like, yeah, part of this was an attempt to, um, to recognize that Many people have suffered this over the course of the years of Ethereum, and we wanted that to, and a lot of them are really talented devs, by the way, because they, they, their funds got stuck in early contracts that they were playing around with, and we wanted to incentivize those guys, including, you know, parity people, which, by the way, are really talented devs, so let's let's incentivize talent, because that's what we need to grow this, this community. Um, anybody who didn't like it didn't have to participate, um, and... Uh, and, and, and nothing changed post, uh, uh, you know, post genesis of the uh, of the lock drop, and it, you know, I can I can appreciate a small subset 
you know, getting up on this nuance. But I just look at it like if it was a pre-mine of 20%, it's just tomato, tomato. It's not that big of a deal. And Dylan and I have flown all around the world in the last half year talking to, to, about Edgeware to different people. And overwhelmingly, the feedback is actually, this is really cool. I, 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 I feel like finally there's a chain where I can get paid even if I'm not like a whale at the start who was there around and, and, and let's play around with governance and maybe this thing blows up. Which, by the way, another disclaimer, maybe this thing blows up. And it's, it's you know, not a test net, but it, it, it's certainly a test bed. Where, and we're excited for the experiment. This is about experimentation on governance. First and foremost, I would prefer that talented devs be involved in this experiment on, on governance, but I felt like Commonwealth was was straightforward. Nobody's gotten community management and community communication 100% right. So, you know, tip my hat and, and, and we all, uh, um, you know, thank everyone for their for their understanding and you know and and detailed analysis like like you've done. But if you didn't like it, you didn't have to participate. And and but a lot of people did participate a lot more than we ever expected. <laughs> and uh, we're excited about where it goes from from here as a result. And again, it's a governance network. The, the that community is going to make a decision as a community about whether they respect this generalized lock or not, it's totally out of our hands. And in doing that, whether they decide to respect the generalized lock or decide to freeze it out and fork in that way, I think that the like nuanced, sort of picky, uh, raison d'etre of, of straight edge around that one singular issue, you know, is that, is that going to be worth like all your focus and time going forward, especially if they've, they've made that decision? I would argue no, you're super valuable and, and, and can do many, many different things besides troll. So we, we happen to have uh, one of the Edgeware co-founders coming up. Oh, I, 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 need, I need some support. <laughs> so we're going to loop in Dylan for his feedback. Um, thank you, one, thank you for organizing this. Uh, this is super awesome. I think. To the second thing, I, I want to like kind of step back from this and, and basically say that the, the community is like already taking ownership of the governance process, right? So even even before launch, like I think this is such a healthy discussion. So again, thank you for organizing this. Um, uh, I think the third thing to highlight what you said is in what uh, right uh, Ryan also said uh, was the fact that we didn't really know what was going to happen. All there's so many experiments, turtles on turtles on turtles. I said that. Uh, earlier today um, in this exact spot. Um, so we didn't know how the lock would actually end up with, how much would actually get locked. We didn't know the effect that the signals would actually have. We didn't know the effect that uh, the generalized lock might have had. Um, but we kind of, we said, screw it, let's let's bundle it all together, right? And I think one of the things, um, it seems like the, the point of concern is specifically around the communication on, around that. And so, I mean, if we can apologize for that and like talk about this you know in the open right now and then also uh, go and discuss it on the interface that's extremely healthy for him as well um, and then I think actually just another point on the signaling I think I would actually say you know if, if the intention was to uh, actually say um, specifically with respect to strategies treatment of the signal and then unlocking everything in the first place is like 
is a little unfair because it's, it's hindsight bias because there's two factors that we made um, before the decision was actually made to um, kind of like lock those tokens for a year. And the, the thought was, okay, there's still a lot of Ethereum out there and they don't have to move. They don't have to give up opportunity costs. One, we still want to incentivize people. But two, we don't know if like a huge mega wet. We know certainly the distribution of Ethereum is, well, I don't know, Lane, maybe you want to call it this comment on this. <laughs> Let's not go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, yeah. um, we didn't know if someone's like, okay, get a signal from one specific address. And we didn't know how many lockers what we're going to be. So like, we're going to say like, okay, We'll give them a little bit, right? And so they have to like 5x their potential attack on the network, right? Mm -hmm. And so saying this after the fact, now we have the results and say like, okay, we have only 10% is gonna go out to signals, right? And so to say after the fact, then that's a little unfair on design decision to talk through the uncertainty that the team had to deal with. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. So that'll be my final comment. <laughs> I, uh, so, no, thank you, thank Joe, you. for participating. Um, so yeah. So I mean, I completely agree with uh, Ryan and Dylan here that like you know I think this is a governance experiment, and for me the most important piece of governance tooling that blockchains have created was the ability to fork. Like I think you know democracy is nothing new, voting is nothing new, but what is new what blockchains invented was the power of exit, and forks are how we do that in blockchain. And at the end of the day, no matter like what what people tell you, like Tezos, like oh on chain voting solves everything. No, at the end of the day, governance comes down to the ability to exit and fork. And so, you know, the point of like, what Ryan said is like, you know, if you don't like it, you know, you didn't have, no, no one who didn't like it didn't have to participate. The truth is I did like it. I really liked Edgeware. I thought the lock drop was a really cool idea. And there was some, this one small thing I didn't, I, I thought was wrong. And I just, and so to Ryan's point of like, why am I spending my time doing this? I. You know, Edgeware is just like an interesting thing to me. Like, I like it. The reason I'm doing this is because I want to inspire people that like, if you see something wrong in the space, go fix it. Don't just like say, oh, it's like, you know, other people, I don't have a decision making power over this. Like, I want to, I want to empower the community to like, if they, if they if don't let like people trample over your rights. Like, you know, if, if you don't like something, create something to fix it. And, you know, I, to, yeah. And, you know, there's been a lot of people throughout this, Throughout Edgeware, who've been really, uh, you know, the lock drop is amazing. How much ether has been locked so far? But at the same time, there's been a lot of out uh, support for uh, Straight Edge as well. There's been a lot of people within the Edgeware community who've reached out to us and said, "Wow, like you know, we were thinking the same thing, and we're really happy that people have stepped up and do it." Uh, you know, there's people who I didn't even reach. I didn't. So Chris Hopcroft, who's like right behind the camera right now. I didn't even know him like a month ago, but he like reached out to me. He's like, this is such a cool idea and I want to be a part of this. And how can I help? And he spent like hours and hours at this point, like dedicating his time into this and like making this thing a reality. There's developers who are spending their time. Julian, who just got up a second ago, he was here a second ago. Uh, he, he's been spending a lot of time helping us put together like uh, test nets and Genesis files. And people are dedicating their time into this, which means that it is something worthy of doing. And you can't just like write it off as saying that like, you know, it's just a little side thing. So you, you heard it here first, Sunny, as crypto political activist. Uh, do you mind if we take one audience question? Okay. I just wanted to come back to a point that Ryan made. Um, you made a, a, a point a few times that why don't we let governance handle it, turn to governance. But um, earlier you made mention of uh, uh, Cosmos's distribution. And Lane, you've spent time thinking about, you know, Ethereum distribution with other experimentations recently. 
once a distribution is completed, opening things to governance is difficult because those that were included in the original, those that impacted that Gini coefficient now have a say. Um, whether or not there's a bonus seems to make less of a difference because when you divide up the 10% that was left for founding teams, if you now got 10 to 15% of every vote that happens for all of history of uh, uh, ecosystem, that is predetermined. That 10 to 15 is a lot. Whereas, if I guess what Sunny was what Sunny what Sunny was saying was that if their funds were locked initially, like signalers, the general public at large, the lockers or the lockers and signalers, could then determine whether or not they wanted to unlock those funds. Determining the distribution seems to make the entire thing worth it because for all of time, the distribution will exist. Julie, uh, to take on that piece. Thanks. So I like that you said uh, that governance over distribution is hard because it's not impossible, right? Um, and so, you know, it, it's still very much doable is, is, is like my key point um, uh, in this matter. And yep, those people would then also be heard in the course of governance, but you know, it's like any court or or uh, Congress process, you want both sides to be heard and you want to be able to take a sample that is, is representative um, of everybody involved in the, in the conversation. And if, lo and behold, those frozen, those frozen um, addresses end up being very active in governance, well, you know what, that's a signal that we probably have active community members. And that's all we wanted to begin with, right? Um, so vice versa, if people really care about this, then they'll get out no vote on the issue, right? And 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 then it'll be it'll be solved. And then and then once that's solved, again, we go back to this like I like forks when well, first I should preface. Forks, in my opinion, are a failure of governance. They're not a mechanism of governance. So forks are a catastrophe, right? Like that's like like shit has hit the fan and and now we're separated. Uh, and usually Usually they have cost, but for some reason they don't have cost in botching yet. They're mostly accredited. Everyone's made money on them. Great. Um, but, in the, but in this case and in all cases, it's best when a fork has the most significant difference possible. So if you're forking on a, on a, on a nuanced sort of gotcha type of thing that you didn't like this small um, one item, uh, I, I would caution that because will that create the migration of developers and active community that you really want? What you really want to do is you want to have a fork that encompasses a number of different things that, that, that you would prefer to change. So like, you know, we'll start out Genesis at, at 50% of the block award, we'll, we'll go into the down, we'll, go, we'll, we'll be distributed out to community members. Maybe you want something different, maybe you want higher inflation, maybe you want lower inflation, maybe you want, uh, you know, a, a, a different thing, but it should it should look like a fundamentally different um, experiment and compelling because of all of its differences. Not because like oh, but like you know we don't like that thing and it looks like that has like Gavin yeah, in it, so like fuck that, right? Um, try to make the fork as as compelling and unique as possible because we're swimming in blockchains. We're not swimming in developers to support those blockchains. And again, running one of these things is hard. It needs steps. And that brings me to, to the other point. You'd mentioned on, on your podcast um, uh, a few weeks ago that uh, like it, it wasn't clear that you had devs working on this uh, full time. And the nice thing about um, 
about Edgeware is it's got some badass talented devs working on it. Guys like Drew Stone, who who's your friend. Um, these are incredibly uh, valuable developers. A handful of developers really drive blockchains forward, right? Whether it's Vitalik in in, in, in Ethereum or or Rob Habermeyer in Polkadot or, uh, or or others, it's really like a couple of extremely talented people that come together and and create extraordinary value. And um, and if you want to inspire a great talented mind like a Drew Stone, I would argue that it, you need to have a like a, a raison d'etre that's compelling and really unique. And, and then, because otherwise you just end up like ETC and you're like, yeah, but remember that time? Like, we hated that, right? Like, and it, 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 it doesn't really make sense um, uh, because people's memories fade of, of that one item and they, you know, and they focus on what is happening in the current day. So if, Edge, if Edgeware just continues to focus on great developers doing great things and we put a lot of money in their hands, like, this is... A, you know, in, in the, the the topics that you're discussing today, uh, a lot about like, hey, we should be paying the developers valuable rewards because they're the ones creating the value. And, and I, you and I joke around all the time that everybody in Ethereum is basically working a big chunk of their time in you know in pro of Anthony Delorio, <laughs> and uh, and having a having a network like Edgeware where. We want to, the, the whole thing about this is we want to go and make the developers that build Edgeware rich, straight up. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, again, I, I love a good fork dividend, but hope that it has more of, a, of an ethos to it than we didn't like the fact that this was communicated poorly. It's, it's really interesting. I think we've, we've gotten to, to, to the heart of the matter, or at least one of the kind of core questions on the table, which is just like our forks. Uh, supposed to be these like, and we struggle with this in Ethereum as well, right? Should they be like these once in a millennia, like super dire, uh, you know, things? And, and as you said, they represent some failure of governance, and they're to be avoided at all costs. And you know, and, and, and it's sort of akin to like a civil war in like the you know the nation state level. Or on the other hand, as I think Sunny was kind of suggesting, um, are forks something that we want to embrace? Are they kind of our superpower? Do we want to like just just let the forks happen and have a lot of like low cost forks, especially early in the life of a network? Um, and and to, to Ryan's point as well, do we want to sort of have things like forks when we don't necessarily have um, like uh, a bunch of developers or a big team or funding behind it? Like which comes first, like the fork or the you know the story or the fork kind of? We have some questions. Yeah. yeah. On top of that, hold, hold the mic close to your oh, mouth. Okay. So great debate yesterday. Amazing girls. Very sporty. It was fun. Seriously. Uh, one thing that I always look for is like what are the collaboration opportunities where there are two differently opinionated person, maybe sometimes opposite, in which case where Ryan would consider uh, working with, like, in the team, or would you consider working with the team? Like, what compromises both are willing to make to make it together? Because as, as said, very few developers drive the blockchain and dividing them even further will not help. So, yeah, either can go first, but just curious, what would be the compromise where we can see once either Stratage or Edgeware working together? Whoever. So, yeah, so I think this actually relates to uh, what I was going to say for Ryan anyways, which is um, the code bases of Edgeware and Straight Edge are the same. The distribution of the tokens is almost the same. Commonwealth uh, gets the same tokens on both chains. 
they're equally incentivized to like you know work on both 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 sides of the chain and you know it, i think when these networks are very small that's when we have the opportunity to do experimentation and i don't consider it this is not a catastrophic fork that's what i was interested in experimenting this zero day fork there's no catastrophe here because i'm not destroying a, like a big thing it's like you know it's it's just a little experiment and then we see you know when you when you when you when you when you, you garden you plant a bunch of seeds not all of them grow but once some of them start to grow that then you really start to nurture those and i just wanted to provide an alternative to the edgeware community to commonwealth to parity to the web3 foundation i want to make a governance proposal on straight edge at some point to say hey let's give the web3 foundation some funds because of all their work in like funding substrate development and whatnot like i i, I think and so with the collaboration i think that like you know, I, I would, I would like to see more encouraging of like, you know, these code bases are like the exact same thing right now, and so you know, any code that works on one will work on the other. And what I'm most interested to see is what can I uh, do to incentivize uh, some of the, uh, the, the these different stakeholders, community, Commonwealth, Parity, to want to work on straight edge and not just see it as this like competitive thing. Because I'm not the goal was ne of, of this was never to be adversarial. It was to provide an alternative genesis for the same network. Like, you know, I, I, I had this, like, I, I, I actually was thinking of calling this, like, you know, Edgeware Prime or something similar to that. Lane actually came <laughs> up with the name, <laughs> Lane actually came up with the name Straight Edge, and I thought it was a cool name. So I have to show it to Mark. You have a follow-up? Just, just, follow, just to follow up on that, experiments name. are amazing, but there has to be an end date. Like, you need to know when to stop experiment as well, and which experiment to stop, and what are the rubrics for it. Without that, experimentation never stops, and because of that, the funds are being divided, and now no one's really helping. So, when would you really stop the experiment? You or you, it doesn't matter, but it's experimentation. Yeah. So, um, either can go. Ryan, I think, want to say something as well. I mean, I guess it comes down to the market cap and whenever the community loses traction, and it's really hard to like, say that these things happen. End days, like you know, the, the joke in blockchain is nothing ever dies nice. because, yeah. like, right. you, you have these things trading at dust for, like, right. you know, at that point, it is kind of dead. And, um, and you know, even if straight edge dies, but I we've been able to instigate more discussion around this. And so now on Edgeware, if you know, what I would love to see is, for example, maybe the Web3 Foundation writes a smart contract on Edgeware. And puts their tokens in a loft for one year, like the other signalers. So that way, then we can use that opportunity to use Edgeware governance to decide whether or not they get those tokens. And so, even if the straight edge project experiment um, initiates that kind of, if it, it, it uh, inspires some change in Edgeware, that I think is still a success of the zero day form. So, um, if just. Just to be clear, uh, uh, a quick question here. If the Edgeware community came together and voted using pre-Genesis, voted using the Commonwealth pool, uh, and sort of like a pointer to their respective addresses, uh, and it, it came in overwhelmingly to not um, accept the, the uh, generalized lock at the moment of Genesis, would that then uh, precipitate you to not uh, execute uh, edge or straight edge? 
it would have to be on the chain. I don't think the Commonwealth tool pre-Genesis is a sufficiently visible view into the network. So it can be, it, it could be on chain. I'm just thinking out loud on, the, on this subject, but it could be on chain. But do not think that like, if the community cares, it will either be a tsunami such that the, I don't know, maybe top, maybe 10% total, 10, 15, 10, 12% total uh, of frozen funds are being recognized. Like it'll either be like, you know, 85% of the community will vote to, uh, to say freeze those addresses again or something like that. Uh, and it's very obvious or uh, they'll probably recognize, and this is, this is the other big lesson learned here, like as chains, as interoperability pops up, I'm not sure if it's a good idea for chains to make a point of, of like attacking and warring with one another. And so like if I'm, and I'll vote with my Edgeware uh, tokens on, on this matter, but my thinking is like, you know what, that, that Web3 Foundation team and the, and the other people, especially because I know some of the other people, they are valuable parts of this uh, ecosystem. I'd like to have them around. They're talented and well-capitalized and, you know, mostly here for the for, for the right reasons. Uh, do we want to, like, you know, do we want to cut their heads off and then have them not participate in this, in, uh, in this community? And then, you know, possible deals for privileged positions on, on Polkadot then dissolve and th things like that. Like, do we do a disservice to, to Edgeware by waging war with, with um, you know, talented, powerful entities? I myself will migrate to the chain that uh, is, is peaceful and valuable, and I think certain chains that like war with one another will mostly find out the historical fact that war is a dilutive activity, <laughs> and the precipitator and the receiver of it usually both lose out in the end. Uh, so thank you for an awesome debate. We have five minutes left. I thought maybe um, we could let you guys make closing statements slash take audience questions if there are any. Do you guys want, do you have, do you have any sort of closing thoughts or statement you want to make? Um, I'd love to see if there's any audience questions. Okay, yeah, yeah. do you have, you're good? Okay, do you got, do we have any audience questions for, for these guys or anything on the topic of like forks or zero day forks? I, I'm going to throw out there, by the way, I'm also working on a zero day fork, not of Edgeware, but of Libra. It's called Open Libra. <laughs> so you can go to openlibra.org. I think, I think Libra has some really awesome ideas, um, but like, I want to remove Facebook and the other companies from the picture and make it more permissionless. So this is like a permissionless fork of Libra, which of course is open source. So like check that out and just, I guess I'm revealing my bias here, but I'm kind of pro fork. I'm in that camp. Um, yeah. Audience questions. I'm pro fork. I love fork dividends. <laughs> I'll make sure you get your, your fork to Libra token dividends. Uh, I think we can wrap up then. So yeah, thank you guys very much for being a great audience. That was awesome. Thanks, Thank you. Good job. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks. Great, Great job. job.